Good morning, New Hope. Great to be with you. Great to be with you in this uh, second week of our series, Under the Sun, a phrase that King Solomon repeats again and again throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, of how we live under the sun, how we find meaning and wisdom. The title today is Sunblock, and you know, we, we, we live daily as a people the desire to block ourselves from pain under the sun. And we could list off a lot of things of how we try and block pain, but ladies, you who have given birth, whether with an epidural or not, you take the cake, all right? None of this language of the the weaker sex. Um, I kind of laugh how um, sometimes we, as guys, try and you know, live up to your status. And this week, my wife was taking some subbing jobs. And so I needed to, you know, step up my game and make some lunches for the kids and get kids to to school and get to work on time too. And so we were doing all that and got to school, realized one didn't have their lunch. So I went home and I mean, I was kind of proud of myself. I, I, you know, put together a quick lunch. And when I brought it into the office, I said, in the words of Steve Carell from Alexander's Terrible Hair and Whatever Bad, No Bad Day, just call me Fami. <laughs> Father Mommy. You will not call me Pastor Fami, okay? <laughs> I mentioned last week in Bram, uh, while starting the series, that the gift and wisdom of Solomon comes in being brutally honest about what we're doing and how we're searching for meaning and wisdom in life. The problem is that we keep running from our pain. We keep looking for escapes, something better, faster, happier over the next horizon. But we can never get enough sunblock, enough answers to our pain, and search for answers if we're simply looking under the sun. The big idea today is we search for meaning under the sun because we don't really believe God is enough. So as we go this, this week in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, Solomon's going to lay out uh, his research. First of all, the, the research of meaningless pursuits, and then he will talk about true wisdom. So there's four paths that Solomon goes down in search of meaning. And the first is pleasure. Verses one through three, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven. Wine, the few days of their lives. Laughter, wine, folly. We try and block the meaningless, the vanity, the pain with fruitless searches because we don't believe God is enough. I love uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, author of the great uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy and, and The Hobbit. And I remember years ago reading the book to my son, and uh, this great truth came out in a part of the story where Gandalf the wizard tells Bilbo the Hobbit and his company before they go into the forest. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. 
Well, what happens when they get into the forest? They're hungry. And so this desire leads to sin because they see an illusion of someone having food by a fire. So they leave the path. The desire leads to sin, and then they become in bondage. The spiders wrap them up, and then the elves put them in prison. And maybe it's because I'm a pastor, but I was reading this to my son, and I said, Josh, this is just like James 1, 14 to 15. <laughs> See if you agree. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and is then when it is full Grown brings forth death. The pattern is desire leads to sin. And if sin is not confessed, and we don't call on the name of Jesus, sin leads to death. Through Solomon's experience, we can choose to be wise and learn from him to stay on the path, to keep looking for true meaning, lasting satisfaction, be brutally honest about what we're actually pursuing and finding meaning from. In this series, will we be honest enough to search our hearts and to admit where we're tempted to find satisfaction under the sun? Is it pleasure for you? Or secondly, is it projects? I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. Quite a list of projects. And there is a great theology. There is a great importance to the work we do. There's great meaning in in what we do, but not under the sun by itself. I see my father-in-law and mother-in-law in in the midst, and when we were building my house by the grace of God and the help of my father-in-law, he passed on this great Solomon-like wisdom to me that was passed on to him when he was building his house. And he said, John, it all burns in the end. Thanks, Jerry. Great wisdom. I don't want to hear that now when I'm building my house. I want it to last a couple of years. But yes, in an eternal perspective. You see, there's two great lies in, in our world. That our significance comes from A, our accomplishments, and B, the approval of others. Which one is more true for you? Is it to find pride and significance and validation in your accomplishments or the approval of others? Many times there's a mixture. As much as I grew up in a loving Christian home, I've long realized I was conditioned to base a lot of my meaning and worth on my personal accomplishments. I I, I realized this, it kind of hit home. I was at the University of Minnesota, and I'm so old, they still had phone booths on campus at the U of M, right on University Avenue by Dinkytown. And so I stepped into a phone booth, and I called mom and dad, hey, I got an A on my latest, latest test. Through through journey of that boy in me, spending time before God and in his word, I was realizing, you know, there's parts of that of that boy in me that's longing for validation that I just need to that's there's part of that false self based on my accomplishments. I just need to give to God. And say, God, thank you that I'm I'm more than enough. Your love is more than enough. 
Help me find worth in what I do and help me find worth in this life, but only in you and of you. You know, some people maybe take this too far and they don't want to give accomplishments to build up, right, our pride and things. And so I remember when my son was in middle school soccer and one of the soccer moms, she didn't want to say like great kick or nice goal. So she said, right idea, right idea. (laughs) Whatever, come on, that was a great kick. And you know, when we get compliments, right, if God has given us gifts, we can receive those compliments and just say, man, thank you, God, for the good that you have done. I want to take pride in what I want, but I want to give glory to you. We search for meaning under the sun because we don't really believe God is enough. But true wisdom is finding meaning in God alone that God is enough. The gospel says that we are justified, that we are saved freely by his grace. And so church, the verdict is in. We're validated. We're all good. We're saved by his grace. Do you know how freeing that is? That we don't have to go through life continually impressing people, continually justifying ourselves by our accomplishments. We're saved. We're approved. We're loved by his grace. And we can walk in that. We can walk in that. I, uh, I, loved, being, I loved being at Hope Recovery this week. And, and getting to, to share a little message, but it was more than that. It was just being in the presence of Jesus, right? I encourage you all to come out next Friday to the Hope Recovery Rally because we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I love being in the place where it's God's grace that gets to triumph. But I love the discussion around the table, right, where, where it was real, and it was like, you know, when I'm tempted to, to feel the lies, right, to feel the pain, I just hear the words of my heavenly Father over me. Thank you, Jesus. His grace is more than enough. So where are we tempted if we're honest enough to find meaning? Is it, is it pleasure? Is it projects? Or the third thing Solomon lays out are products. In verses 7 through 10, we see the list of Solomon's great wealth. And he talks about herds and flocks more than anyone else. Sometimes we may compare John Deere tractor or, or whatever it is. Solomon was the Joneses more than anyone else. He had personal singers. I mean, what would it be like, you know, if Justin Bieber or Megan Trainer were your personal singers? Hey, Billy Joel, sing me a song. You're the piano man. Wealth greater than anyone before him or after him. Jay Leno has 136 cars, 90 motorcycles, a net worth of $50 million. Wouldn't be too bad, would it? (laughs) Do you think Jay Leno has found everlasting peace? And they're right. It's easy to believe, believe that lie in our culture, that if we just had just something more, we'd really find happiness. If we just had these products, these wealth, man, I wouldn't have any more troubles. I see those head nods. 
The popular movement in our culture today of minimalism is not a Christian movement, but it's a reaction to our over-materialistic society that we do not find satisfaction in things, in more and more wealth. That's why we have the tiny houses, right? That's not the answer whether we have a lot or we have little. That's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Will we be honest enough to search our hearts where our deep idols lie, where we long for meaning? Is it pleasure? Is it projects? Is it products? Or the fourth thing he lays out is philosophy. Solomon's search for wisdom. Solomon was the wisest man on earth. Kings and queens and nobles from all over the lands came to seek out his vast knowledge and wisdom. But much like the other meaningless pursuits of pleasure and projects and products, there's a great temptation to believe we don't need God when we have enough stuff, when we have enough knowledge. I got this, God. But that's why the Bible continually comes again and again to the theme of humility that leads to wisdom. Solomon was wise enough to come to the conclusion, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. In his search for wisdom, much like the other paths, he said, this too is meaningless. After all the fruitless, empty searches, Solomon comes to the conclusion. He says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Last week, if you were here, you heard that this word to gain in Hebrew means that which is left over, that which is last, that which is eternal. We search for meaning under the sun because we don't really believe God is enough. Searches, but then Solomon comes to the beginning of true wisdom. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Enjoyment is a gift of God. If things are submitted to him, we can find great enjoyment in the work we do. If things are submitted to God, we can find great enjoyment in the pleasures he gives. If things are are submitted to God, we can find great joy in the gifts he gives us. For all his great wisdom and knowledge, Solomon came to this this beginning of true wisdom. He was brutally honest, and he saw all these things led to nothing unless we acknowledge God. But in some sense, he misses out on the heart of wisdom. Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment, repeated from Deuteronomy, and the second commandment is to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. The heart of wisdom is relationship. Relationship with God. Solomon didn't seek relationship, did he? He sought things. 
Relationship with God, relationship with one another. Above all else, we're called to glorify God and to advance the good of others. That happens in relationship. When we take time to be honest, to search out this wisdom from the experience of Solomon, there there becomes this subtle shift where we no longer have to look at life under the sun or look for meaning simply under the sun. The great gospel truth is that in Jesus we can live above the sun. Gospel wisdom calls us to not live under the sun, but with the sun, above the sun. Here's a great definition of gospel wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It's because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You see, wisdom is not a concept. Wisdom is not some abstract truth. Wisdom is not cramming for the final. Wisdom is knowing the final Jesus. And we can know him. And we can walk in him. And we can see ourselves through his eyes. I love it when you walk in, Jesus. He's wisdom. He's here. Why don't we believe that God is enough? Because we have believed those lies that the accuser, that our flesh, that our sinful selves have believed all these years. Why don't we believe that God's enough? Because we don't want to face the pain or the fear, even though God's saying, come, come as you are. I'm a safe place. I loved you. I created you. And I sent my son to pay for all your sins. Come. You don't need any sunblock with me. I remember years ago, just reading through uh, Psalm 51.6, where David says, You desire truth in my inner being, wisdom in my innermost parts. And I can remember sitting on the couch in my house in Burnsville. And I was like, I don't even know if David realized what he was writing here. I was like, Jesus, you desire you in me, your truth, your wisdom. Come in, Jesus. Come in. Wisdom's not some abstract thought. It's the presence of Jesus. It's the truth of Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus. The people I know who are the wisest people in the world just ooze with Jesus. Because I can't help getting in his word. Can't help just being in the spirit. And just hearing his truth reign over them. Focus isn't on us. The focus is on him. Church, it's time to be honest. And to be honest and to to bring our deep idols before him. This week when I was just 
just meditating and I was thinking about, you know, it was like there's a part of that little boy still in me that wants validation. And so I said, God, that's my false self. That's not my true self. I just bring that before you. You're my true self, your grace, your wisdom, your truth. Help me to grow more in that. Help me to walk more in that. Be honest before God. Bring those idols before him. Take this walk. Stay on the path with him and let him love you and let him bless you. Let his grace empower your walk with him. Hear his words to stay on the path and to receive his wisdom and receive his love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence here today. We love it when you walk in, Jesus. We just thank you that you're in us and you're among us and we just glorify you. We just exalt you, Jesus. There's nothing like you. You're the wisdom of God. And we want you, Jesus. So forgive us when we go down these wrong paths. Lord, we just bow at your feet. You're holy. We're on holy ground here. There's nothing like you. But God, just give us your wisdom and give us your grace. Give each heart what they need today. May you be glorified. May you be exalted. Father God, may we find more and more meaning, more and more wisdom as we encounter you in your presence, in your word, in the company of other believers. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.